Tonight is Chof Dalid Teves, the Yorzeit of the Balatanya, who appears a number of times in Rabbeinazal's Sforim, you know, in different ways. And it's incredible. Rabbeinazal made a statement in Torah Samachalef. Torah Samachalef is a Rosh Hashanah Torah, you know, one of the oceans in Breslov, you know. And Rabbeinazal there speaks about Sforim, you know, that there are many Sforim and there are going to be many more Sforim and every one of them is needed. You know, Rabbein Zal stressed that. Rav Nelson Zal writes in the introduction to Likut HaLochas, you know, he writes in his Hagdoma to Likut HaLochas, that, you know, on one hand, who am I to come out with a Sefer? Many authors write that, you know. And Rav Nelson Zal writes that, Mitzad, myself, I'm not, I know that I'm nothing, Sheba nothing, Sheba nothing, but Mitzad, the Mashpia Alai, Mitzad, the one that I was privileged to receive from, I feel that I have things to say that the, the, I'm not afraid to say it in front of like like Donald says I'll speak in front of kings and I'm not embarrassed you know I, I know that what I have to say will be valuable for them to hear you know and precious and then a little bit later in the Hagdama he makes a comment that that even though we know today Sforim, you know, that when a new Sefer comes out, there are many people who right away have what to make fun of, to laugh at, even before they open it, you know, oh, he's an, another Sefer, and he's writing a Sefer, you know, that kind of thing. And Rav Nelson Salveh quotes the Gemara, that he says, imagine, the Gemara says, if a person gives a nickname to a person, you know, a sarcasm, it's a, you, a person could lose their oil haba for that, imagine what it means if a person is, makes fun of a Sefer, chas v'shalom. So years ago, years ago, I don't know how many years ago, 20 years ago, there was someone, there's, there's a famous family in Breslov, the Weitzhandler family. They're the ones who, who started the store, the first time a Breslov, a store in Eretz Yisrael, you know, a store selling Breslov's farm, you know, that kind of thing, an actual store, you know, not a stand or something like that. And it was a tremendous chiddush at the time. Plus, they started, they, they, they were publishing Sfarim. You know, when I came to Breslov 50 years ago, there was, there was very little, next to nothing, being printed in Breslov. There was the Weinstocks, who published, who printed a Likute Moran, you know, gigantic, large sign, and sent it out to shuls, you know, with an envelope that it costs $25 do, donate, you know, minimum, you know, some, whatever it was, there was very little going on. Rav Rosenfeld, Zechran had this here in America, Printing one after another, printing two thousand Likute Morans, you know, the version that he did, the with the Aramaic with the Rashi print, with the Mephorshim, you know, proper the three Mephorshim in the back and everything. He printed Kitzalikute Moran, Yeme Moranat, Hishtaphanefish, one after another. Not that he was a printer or anything. He had <clears throat> and and he would raise money to do it. He would invite people that for twenty dollars you could get your name in the safer. And for I think a hundred dollars at the time, this is sixty, seventy years ago, or a hundred dollars or five hundred to get a page, you know, a donation of a page. That's how he would print this for him and he would sell them. You know, he would be able to sell them for less, you know, for a, a cheaper price because, you know, because of the donations, etc. But this Weitzhandler family opened the store and published many svarim. One of the sets of svarim that they came out with was called Siach Sarfei Koydish, <clears throat> where they took the shirim of Reb Levi Yitzhak Bender, who was one of the giants in Breslov in the previous generation. 
and who had a fabulous memory, a very good, you know, not everybody is gifted with that, to remember, besides learning a lot, you know, besides being a Talmud Chacham, learning inside, remembered stories, all the traditions of Bresov and stories, thousands of stories that he heard, you know, from living in Uman and being involved with all the Breslavers there and then coming to Eretz Yisrael and being involved with them. So he, he would give shiurim in Breslav and his style was read the book, period. You know, that was his preference, just to read the Sefer, no embellishment, no addition, not, doesn't need any comment. <clears throat> However, once in a while, because he had all of these stories, he'd, he'd slip out with stories. And people, most people, are attracted more to the stories than, than to the actual Sefer. Rabbi Nezal himself said that his motivation and inspiration, you know, as a child, was stories of tzaddikim. That's what gave him the fire and everything. So when people realized that he was a, a reservoir of stories, they would squeeze him every which way possible and push him in that direction, you know, to force him. What about that? What was, and when they'd question him about something or they quote something incorrectly, that's not the way it happened. It happened like this, and, you know, he would, <clears throat> and they were smart enough, most of the cases, to run around with a tape recorder to record every word he said, although they weren't smart enough. They used cheap tape, you know, and they didn't, they didn't go out and get the best, make sure to have the best tape, the best recording. So sometimes things aren't, weren't clear, and et cetera, et cetera. But still, they captured tons of information, tons of information. And they put out this set, Siach Sarfei Kodesh, all about stories about Rabbi Nezal, Rabbi Nezal, and their Talmidim, many of the stories that were not known and weren't written down until then. We have the Chaim Aran, we have Koich Veor, which has a lot, but this was, you know, ten times as much of all kinds of traditions that had been passed down that hadn't been written down. But unfortunately, because of different reasons, there were diff mistakes, different mistakes that crept into it. Sometimes maybe the recordings weren't clear, or somebody misquoted, different things. And the, the set, Sir Sarfei Kodesh, got a reputation that it's, it's sort of accurate, but you know, it was clear that it's not accurate. One of the, one of the grandsons, Reb Shloimoy, Reb Shloimoy, I don't remember his phone, he has two names, Weitzhandler, a son of Reb Avram Weitzhandler, who passed away at a relatively young age. The grandson is a Talmud Chacham, and he decided to, to make it right. And he spent a tremendous amount of research going over all the cassettes again and writing things down, <clears throat> put together a team of people who could write Mara Mekayim, looking up every source of every single thing that could be researched, stories and things that could be researched in other forum, and redid the Siyah Sarfei Kodesh and came out, I think, with five volumes. The three became five and added tons of stuff and added sources for just about everything, everything. Now, there are some things that there are different Kabbalists. Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Bender, Zechran of Rocha, heard it this way, and somebody else heard it a different way from Rabbi Avraham different, some, something, but, but the level of accuracy went up tremendously high. Now, nowadays, there's a new thing that when you have a large sefer, even Likute Halachis that we have, Reb Nachman Chirin, Zechran of Rocha, it's brought that he had a dream, and in the dream, he saw, he saw Rav Nassenzal, he was still alive, he was a boy, when Rav Nassenzal, a, a young man, when Rav Nassenzal passed away, so he saw Rav Nassenzal. In the dream, he saw Rav Nassenzal, and he saw Rav Nassenzal carrying 
very, very heavy, like he's carrying a very heavy load. And he said he understood from it that the Likuti Halacha is, is a heavy load, meaning that of the masses of Klal Yisrael that learn Torah, that learn Sfarim, not people in you know, most people would find it difficult to learn Likuti Halachas just because of the size of it, the vastness, some Halachas are 30, 40 pages, and that kind of thing. And a hundred years ago, people had difficulty with that. Today, if it's two and a half lines or more, it's too much. People, we know that, they can't handle everything today is bits, you know, can't handle a bite anymore, it's got to be bit size. So, so, and that's what motivated, inspired Rav Nachman Shirin to make a Likute Eitzos on Likute Alochos. Rav Nosenzal had done it for Likute Moran, that he extracted from the Likute Moran all of the practical advice, leaving out the drushes, leaving out the drushes. That's the Likute Eitzos that Rav Nosenzal did. Rav Nachman Shirin went and did that for Likute Alochos, extracting from the entire Likute, Likute Eitzos Hamashulash, extracting, you know, Piece, you know, the practical advice throughout the, leaving out the, the, the long drushes. Now there's a new thing where people come out anytime there's a, let's say, the Mosik Midvash on the Zohar Kodesh, which is a large, you know, again, another ocean, but they realize that today people need Pesach is coming. Let's do an extraction of everything in the Zohar Kodesh on Pesach, you know, and a pamphlet that people can handle, and people are always looking to hear things, you know, on a given topic, or, you know, Lag Boimer, you know, all, all things like that. So P.S., they started doing this for the Seer Sarfei Kodesh. Anytime there's an important occasion, Rabbeinu's, you know, coming out. So now, tonight is the yard site of the Balatanya. He did an extraction, he printed 25 pages in Seer Sarfei Kodesh, on, related to the Balatanya with Breslov, his, his relationship with Breslov. And some of the things are interesting, very interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll try to talk about some of these things. Number one, a famous thing that, again, I heard it, I heard from Rabbi Yechaim Rosen, that the Balshemto, his father, passed away when he was a child. The Balatanya says he was about three years old, the Balshemto, when his father, Rabbi Yezer, passed away. And before his father passed away, he took him, took him aside and he told him, Sruluk, Don't be afraid of anybody or anything, only Hashem, period. That, that was his parting words, like his, his tzavot to the Baal Shem Tov as a child. And the Balatanya said <clears throat> that when he was three years old already, he'd run out of the house and run into the forest. And, and a kid, a small kid running out into the forest, you know, where's he going? They weren't afraid because they knew that he had been told by his father not to be afraid. So they, they trusted him. They, they, they weren't afraid of it. And the Balatanya mentioned that regarding Avram Avinu, there are different opinions as to when he started his Kesher with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. <clears throat> One of the famous opinions is when he was three years old, when he was three years old, based on the Pasuk, Ekev Asher Shom Avram Bekoili. Because Avram Avinu listened to what I said, Ekev is 172. That for 172 years of his life, he was serving Hashem. But there are other opinions also. He said, the Balatanya said by the Baal Shem Tov, there's no conflicting opinions. Everyone knows that from when he was three years old already, he was running out into the forest for his spiritus, you know, doing his thing already at that age.
one of the stories, again, that the Balatanya told about the Baal Shem Tov <clears throat> is that in one of his trips to the forest, he was out and it was nighttime, and he met one of the, sh- the Shadim. And this Shed saw him <clears throat> and said to him, Say these four words. The four words are, Ozav Yisrael es Hashem. The Yidden have left Hashem. The Yidden have forsaken Hashem. He knew, obviously, that if these words will come out of the Baal Shem Tov's mouth, it'll be a kitrug on Klal Yisrael Chasushon. <coughs> so the Baal Shem Tov said, I'd rather say these, these four words, Yispordu kol oven. You know, in Mizmor Shilana Shabbos, where it says that on Shabbos, all forces of evil are disconnected, you know, are detached, disconnected, they lose their connection. He said those four words, and that was the end of the, that was the end of that shed, and you know, all the forces, you know, Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. Now he told another story, again about the Baal Shem Tov, something incredible, that there was, we know that during that time, especially because before Hasidus, there was the era of the false Moshiachs, Rahman al-Islam. And the Baal Shem Tov said that he had two holes in his heart from the Shatz, Rahman, so we don't even want to say his name. So there was a lot of his snagdus, the Hasidus. People were afraid, people assumed, unfortunately, like some people do, they assumed negative and, and suspicious. So there was a person who lived not far from where the Baal Shem Tov lived, a Talmud Chacham, a big Talmud Chacham. He had blessed with many children, and he refused to, to have anything to do. He was a misnagat against the Baal Shem Tov. And his daughters were starting to get older, <clears throat> getting close to marriageable age, and the wife's, and, and he's poor, he has nothing, nothing, nothing. And in those days, the custom was, if you had a daughter, you had to pay. <clears throat> you had to come up with a nadin. So the wife started pressuring him you know, why, you, what do you, why are you worse than anybody else? Everybody else goes to the Baal Shem Tov. They go for a bracha. Why don't you go? And at first he wouldn't listen, not interested. Not, you know, have nothing to do with him, you know. And as time was going by and the pressure con- continued and a wife knows how to put on pressure sometimes, he had to go. So he goes into the Baal Shem Tov and he tells him the situation. He tells him that, you know, I have daughters, you know, and, then, and uh, I have nothing, nothing. Any advice for me? So the Baal Shem Tov said, yes, listen carefully. I want you to travel now. I want you to go from city to city. Every city you come to, ask them if they heard of the Baal Shem Tov. Ask them if they heard about me. If they say yes, leave. Go to the next city. If they say no, if when you come to a place and they say no, you will know that that's where your Yeshua is going to come from. That's where you're going to get your Yeshua. Interesting. He starts traveling, he goes into a city, mentions that, yes, they did hear of him. Goes to another city, and this happens, he's traveling a lot, and again, in those days, there's no buses or cars, and he's an oni, he has nothing, he's walking from city to city in, in the vicinity, and he's, he's getting wiped out completely, totally exhausted, until finally he used up all the cities in that vicinity, and he decides he's going he's gonna to cross the river, he's going to go across the river, go to a, a place... He goes there, sure enough, and he comes to a city there, and he says that they heard about the Al and they said, no, who is it, what do you know? Nobody, nobody heard, nobody heard about him. He's excited, he's excited, you know, this is the first time. 
So he tells them, he starts telling them a little bit about what he heard about the Baal Shem Tov, and it's, it's Thursday or Friday, it's close to Shabbos. So he asks, is there anybody that could, could host me for Shabbos? The person he approached was the Gabai, the Gabi the Shul, and the guy lights up, he lights up. He says, you have no idea how long we wait in this city for a guest, to be zoicha to have a guest, and to have a guest for Shabbos. There's no such thing. We haven't had it. And, and people here, they'll do anything to have a guest at their table, you know, especially for Shabbos. And the Gabbai says, and I'm first. And he suggests a certain amount of money. And he says, we're going to do this. We're not going to do this, Tom. We're going we're gonna to charge for this, you know, to see. We're going to raffle this off. You know, who, whoever wants for each meal, each person wants to have you for a meal for Shabbos, we're going to, you know. And the Gabbai says, I'm the first one. I'm, Friday night, you're my guest, and I'm giving X. And he mentioned a substantial, substantial, they were wealthy people in the city. And sure enough, Friday, you know, the, in the shul, the, the Gabbai, uh, before Shabbos, he announces again that there's a guest in the city for the first time in who knows how long. Whoever wants, let's hear bids. And they start bidding. And, and these guys are, you know, wealthy guys like to compete. So the numbers climb. They come up each one. And one guy wins Shabbos morning. One guy wins Shalashudas. The other guy gets Malavamal, you know. And the amount of money that they came up with was more than what he needed for his first daughter. And he's already up to the second and third daughters. Fabulous. He's, he's impressed. He's impressed with the Baal Shem Tov's advice. Now, Sunday morning, he's getting ready to leave. And he says to the Gabbai, there was one person who was one usher who I went to the, I was, I was by him for a meal, and I was really impressed by him. I want to see him again before I go. The Gabbai says, forget it. Shabbos, he has time for you. The week started. He doesn't have time for anyone. You know, he's business. He's, got, he's running all kinds of big business. He says, I, I, I want to sit. Where does, show me, take me there. Okay, I'll take you, but I'm telling you, there's no chance you're going to see him. He comes, they come to the door, and they see him, they see this wealthy guy about to leave the house, and they see his eyes that he's been crying, crying for, you know, serious crying. So the, 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 this poor man says to him, you know, I, I wanted to see you again before I left. I, I see you've been crying. What, what are you crying about? He says, there's no sense in telling you. you. You can't help me anyway. He says, please, I'm begging you. Please tell me. I, I have such appreciation for what you did for me. Tell me what you're crying about. And he, he insisted, insisted. He said, my, I have a daughter, and, and she's something very, very special. And I married her off to a Talmud Chacham, a real Talmud Chacham. And they're married for 10 years. And today, it's going to be 10 years. And today they're planning on going to Bezin to write a get, you know, for her to get divorced. And he's, and he's, in, he's in pieces, he's in pieces, you know. Rahman al-Islam, a daughter like this married to such a great Talmud Chacham and, and no children for 10 years. So this person says to him, don't, don't do it. Don't write a get. Allow me, wait for me to get back to my city, to get back to the Baal Shem Tov. Allow me, let me speak to him. He, you, see, you see what happened to me. You see how Hashem helped me. He'll be, if there's anyone that can help you, he'll be able to help you. And, and the guy agreed. The guy agreed. He goes back to the Baal Shem Tov. He goes back and he tells the Baal Shem Tov, you could imagine, this is a person who was misnagged against the Baal Shem Tov. He tells the Baal Shem Tov, I did exactly what you said. And he showed him the amount of money he came back with, that he has everything. 
the Baal Shem Tov understood. He knew 100% that this is what was going to be. And now he tells the Baal Shem Tov about this wealthy person. And the Baal Shem Tov says to him, this, I have to go there myself. I'm going to go there. And sure enough, the Baal Shem Tov well, went, the Balatanya says, and he did what needed to be done, and they, they did not get divorced. You know, Baruch Hashem, period. Now, regarding, regarding the connection with, with, with Breslov, First of all, when Rabbeinazal made his trip to Eretz Yisrael, we're speaking about the Balatanya a little bit because tonight is his yard site, Chof Teves. And I mentioned they came out with a pamphlet. There are new svarim coming out every day, in Breslov. And they came out with a 25-page pamphlet of the Balatanya's relationship with Breslov, with Rabbeinazal, with the Baal Shem Tov and everything. Beautiful things, beautiful stories. So when Rabbeinazal was in Eretz Yisrael, during that time, unfortunately, there was a major machloikis among the tzaddikim, the leading tzaddikim in Eretz Yisrael and in Chutzlaretz, the Hasidim, regarding <coughs> the monies of Eretz Yisrael. In those days, just like today, Eretz Yisrael relied a lot on monies coming from Chutzlaretz to support them. Now, a person would say, I don't understand, why should that be? The Gemara says, Eretz Yisrael shoyset chila that all the shefa that comes to the world first comes to Eretz Yisrael and then goes to the rest of the world. So, so how is it that, that we're going fundraising in Chutzlaretz? And the answer that's given is that it's like a cup and a saucer. The cup is Eretz Yisrael, the saucer is the rest of the world, is Chutzlaretz. The Gemara says that Eretz Yisrael receives first. First, the cup has to be full to the top. When, when you keep pouring and the cup's full to the top, the rest spills over into the saucer. But that's when the cup doesn't have a hole in it. If the cup has a hole in it, you're pouring into the cup and it's leaking out into the saucer. This is what's written. The Zalero Kodesh mentions this. That, that really all the Shefa belongs here and the whole world is supposed to receive from the Shefa of Yisrael. But because our keli is not Bishlemus, so what happens is the Shefa runs out over there and people are going to Chutzloritz to return the Shefa of Eretz Yisrael, to return, to bring back the Shefa that originally, that should have been, should have stayed in Eretz Yisrael and belongs here, and also to be Mezake, the Jews of Chutzloritz. There could be a tremendous Kitrug Chas... Why aren't you in Eretz Yisrael? One of the ways that people in Chutzlars have a kesha with Eretz Yisrael is by helping to support the anim and the, 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 the anim and Eretz Yisrael, that kind of thing. <clears throat> so at that time, there was machloikis among the tzaddikim, the Balatanya, Reb Boruch Mezhebush, Reb Avram Kalisker. We're talking about giants, super, super giants. There was machloikis <clears throat> about who should be in charge and who should be the one to, to distribute, and etc., etc. And Rav Nosanzal writes in Chaim Aran that some of it had to do with issues of Kovoid. Some of it was a matter of Kovoid. Rav was in Eretz Yisrael, and he was aware of this, and one of the most, one of the incredible, powerful Torahs in Likutim Aran, the Torah Chavolam Nofli Banimim, I believe it's Ayin Aleph in, Ayin Aleph in, in Likutim Aran Tanina, Rav speaks about the topic of Tzdoka and Tzdoka of Eretz Yisrael, and that Torah was said <coughs> when Rav 
came back from Eretz Yisroel, and there was a whole discussion at the table about what's going on regarding this topic, and Rabbi Nezal gave this incredible Torah on this explaining about the stock of Chutzlaret, stock of Eretz Yisroel, and Machloikis, and Machloikis in Chutzlaret, and how could there be Machloikis in Eretz all kinds of, and in Likut HaLachas, there's fantastic things on that chapter in Likut So Rabbi Avram Kalisker had pleaded with Rabbi Nezal, you're going back to Chutzlaret, if there's any chance that you could address this situation. And Rabbi Nezal, when he went back to, to, this was after having been away from home for months, how long did the trip to Eretz Yisrael back take? Could be a half a year or a year, that Rabbi Nezal's trip to Eretz Yisrael. When he came back, before he went into his house, he traveled to a different city, and here there's a correction that in Chaim Aran it says he went to Lodi. Everybody knows Rabbi Shneir Zalmami Lodi. He wasn't in Lodi at that time. He was in a different city. He wasn't living in Lodi at the time. Here they mentioned the name of the city that he was actually in. Liazna. Liazna, that's where he was. And Rabbein Azal traveled to that city to meet with the Balatanya to see if he could fix, if he could help this situation. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that in Chaim Aran, the answer is that he was not successful. He wasn't successful in straightening out because this was so delicate and difficult an item. But, but when Rabbi Nezal was there, he hinted to the Balatanya that it seems that there's, we're, we're going to be mechutanim. We're going to be mechutanim. And sure enough, years later, Rabbi Nezal's daughter, Chaya, Rabbi Nezal had four daughters, the, the Rosh Tevis of the word Esmach, Anoichi Esmach Bashem, Odl, Sora, Miriam, and Chaya. Rabbi Nezal's daughter, Chaya, had a first husband, <coughs> and when that first husband passed away, she ended up marrying Reb Arka Zaslavsky, who was a grandson of the Balatanya, who was the rov of the city of Kramanchuk, a tremendous Talmud Chacham. They write here a little bit about, he's mentioned in a few different Sforim of the Chabad Sforim, <coughs> for his goyness, and Rav Nosenzal makes reference to him as being an incredible Talmud Chacham. And, and uh, so the, the, he was a grandson of the Balatanya, and it's written here that he treated her, he treated his wife, his second wife, Rav Nosenzal, with tremendous respect. Rav Nosenzal, attended this wedding, he traveled to the wedding, and at the Shabbos Sheva Brachas, he told over two chapters of Likud Yimran that the famous, ah, I'm not sure it says Simen Yud Beis, it doesn't say Likud Aleph, whether it's Likud Yimran Aleph or Beis, I'm not sure, I don't want to say, and to, if it doesn't say Beis, it probably means Aleph, where Rabbein speaks about why why Lomdim make machloikas against Sadikim? You know, about the machloikas between the Litvisha and the Hasidisha. You know, that, that place. And he added Likut HaLochas to it. Now, this, this couple, the Balatanya's grandson and Rabbeinazal's daughter, had several children. One of them <coughs> was called Stirna Sasya. Stirna was the name of the wife of the Balatanya, meaning his grandmother, and Sasya was the name of Rabbeinazal's first wife, Sasya. <clears throat> this daughter was named after both, from both sides, a combination of both sides. And Rabbeinazal, in a number of letters in Alam Litrufa, 
makes reference, he sends special good wishes to, to this uh, Sternasasia, you know, a daughter of the, interesting to note that usually you're not pious, the halach, you're not allowed to send regards to someone's wife. Here isn't, here this was a daughter or a granddaughter, that type of thing. And Rav Nosenzal was Rav Nosenzal. He knew that this wasn't the case, this wasn't anything, you know, chasvashon crossing any lines. Interesting, they mention here that when, when there was the major machlokes against Rabbeinazal, the Balatanya sided with Rabbeinazal. Despite the fact that in Chabad they speak a lot about the Shpalazeda, the, but, but the Balatanya, it says it was noitel etoivas Rabbeinazal. You know, he made it clear there were very sharp statements that he made about chasvashon, anyone who speaks against Rabbeinazal. One final interesting note <clears throat> that when Rabbeinazal came back from Eretz Yisrael, we said he traveled to see the Balatanya. On the way, he met two young men, Talmidim of the Balatanya. And Rabbeinazal heard how they were discussing Hasidus among them. In Lubavitch, they learned Hasidus, you know. And Rabbeinazal asked them a question in, in a pshat in one of the Musogim of Kabbalah. And they gave him an explanation, which Rabbeinazal said was not, not accurate, was, was, was not right, you know, based on, on Kabbalah. So when Rabbeinazal met the Balatanya, he asked them, why, do you, why, why, is in front of, why are you speaking in front of such people, such high-level diburim, you know, when it seems that they're not, they're not on a level to understand it and to understand it correctly? And the Balatanya said, you're right, he called those two people, he called them, and he was mechir, he, re, he reprimanded them. That they're, they're giving answers, they're quoting things, and they're not qualified to, they're not knowledgeable enough. Here again, a person learns chasidus. A, person, a lot of these sifrei chasidus are based on the sifrei kabbalah. And it's very easy to misunderstand things. One of the incredible benefits in the Breslov Sforim, in Likut Imran, and especially Likut Alochis, that if a person learns Likut Alochis, Continually, Rav Nosenzal explains many in the process of teaching the halachas, you get such incredible, clear insights and understanding of simple, we're not talking about deep Kabbalah, but the basic yesoidos about the spheroids, about the midois, all kinds of things, very important information that, that's presented in the breast of Sforim in a way that it, it's difficult to get the wrong impression. It's easy for a person to get a, a good, clear base for being able to understand the, the basis for Kabbalah, you know, Sifrei Kabbalah, those kind of things. Interesting that Rabbeinazal was, he, he spent Shabbos with the Balatanya. That Shabbos, it was Shabbos Chazoin, the Shabbos before Tishabov. And the Balatanya pleaded with him several times. He asked him a few times to say Torah, and Rabbeinazal, he didn't want to. And the Balatanya said Torah for a long time. There are two opinions, whether it was six hours or eight hours. Eight hours. Now, a person would say, how is that possible? I remember as a kid, I remember when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I think it was around, or maybe 13, 14, a friend of mine was connected to Lubavitch, and he took me to 770, and I was at a Fabrengen. 
And I remember I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. Be- I never saw such a thing. He would talk. The 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 last Lubavitch Rebbe, you know, would speak for three hours, three four hours, you know, going going on and on, you know, a break maybe after an hour or five minutes and continue that these mamorim that are that kind of length. So here it said he sp- spoke for six or eight hours, and Rabbi Nezal said afterwards that in his closing remark, he hit the you know he 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 ended with something very good. He finished with a quote from Tehillim, the pasuk in, in Kapitel Kufutes, Rachmecho Rabim Hashem. The regular translation of that is that Hashem has a lot of Rachmonas. The Balatanya said, of dear God Rachmonas. It's a big Rachmonas on Hashem. The people say, wow, it's such a such Rachmonas on that person. He doesn't have Parnosa. He's out of a job for such a long time. Or it's such a Rachmonas on this one. The Balatanya said, it, the biggest Rachmonas is on Hashem. Rachmecho, Rachmecho Rabim Hashem. The, the, the biggest Rachmonas is on you, Hashem. And Rabbi Nassau said, like, he, he enjoyed that. Then the, the famous thing that when Rabbi Nassau was by the Baratania, he asked him, is it true that they say about you that you have 80,000 Hasidim in, 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 at that time? So the Baratania said to him, I have a lot of, a lot of my students are Malamdim. They're, they're Rebbe's in Chador. They teach in Chadorim. All of them have students. This one has 20 kids in the state. This one has 30 kids. All of them give out pushkas to the kids in the class that they should put money in the pushka for tzedakah to Eretz Yisroel, to send money to Eretz Yisroel. So he said, probably, if the kids put a penny in the pushka, they're not, they're not going to be choylik against me. They're not against me in any way. So they're not choylikim, so through, through that they're already considered my chasidim. Exactly. Oh, one, one final story, that the, the Balatanya once traveled <coughs> from his city, this was when he's already in Ladi, he traveled to Tulchin, where a Baruch Mezhebush was at the time, to try to see if they could come to some kind of agreement about this issue. The money is being sent to Eretz Yisrael. And in traveling to, in, to Tulchin, he passed the city of Teplik. These are famous cities that I mentioned in Rabbeinu Zalsforim. <coughs> in Teplik, there was an aguna, a woman whose husband had left her without giving her a divorce, Rahman al and for years the Rabbonim tried to find a way to, it doesn't say, I'm sorry, could be the husband was, you know, didn't come back from a trip or something, and for years the Rabbonim tried to be mater her, to find a heter, and they couldn't do it. And the Dayan of the city, his name was Rabmort Chadayan, was a student, he was a, a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and a student of Rabbeinazal, and he saw that there was, there was a way to do it, but he, re, he, he was afraid to do it. <clears throat> he didn't want to take the achrayas on himself. When he heard that the Balatanya is coming, and the Balatanya was a poisek, he was a rov, you have the shulchan chorav, <clears throat> he said that if, if he'll come, we'll, he'll be mitztaref with me and another person, we'll be able to do it. And sure enough, the Balatanya came, and this Reb Mordechai Teplik discussed the Shiloh with him, together with another Rav that was in the city, and the Balatanya agreed with Reb He said, you're right, you know, I'm, I'm willing to join you on this psak. And these three Rabbonim together were mater this aguna. When the Balatanya left, 
Teplik to continue on his journey, <clears throat> he said, he said, he said to the people of Teplik, "You have two rabbonim here. They're, they're worth a, they're worth, they're worth a, a, a large, a large sum, and a kopik, and a kopik." And his kavana was that this Reb Mordechai Teplik is a goin oilam, and the other one he referred to as a kopik. You know that kind of thing in comparison. You know, talking about giants. Here you have diff- different people with different levels of knowledge and halacha and psak, etc., etc. This is how we refer to him. This is 11 of 25 pages in the new Siach Sarfei Kodesh on the Balatanya with his relationship to Breslov. We know my Rebbe Reb Michal Dorfman Zechon of Racha. He was in, you know, he, he got left behind. When, when most of the Breslavers left in the 30s, 1920s, 30s, 40s, he, he was one of the few who got stuck, remained behind. And, uh, and he said that in Russia, in, in communist Russia, the two most evil people that they hated the most were Chabad and Breslov, because they knew that they were, they were the ones holding up Yiddishkeit in Russia at the time, period. They were the ones who, you know, the, anyone who, was, who had any, you know, connection to, to Yiddishkeit under communist times was connected to one of those two, basically. Everything else had either been wiped out or left or weren't doing outreach, weren't doing outreach at the time. And Remichel's Chanavracha had a son-in-law, one, one of his sons-in-law, he said that when, when the whole story with the Satmar Rebbe's Chanavracha, when the Satmar Rebbe had a blood clot in his brain, and the Satmar Hasidim approached Breslov asking if you could send a shliach to Uman to be mispal for the Rebbe because he gave money to print a Tikkun Akloli and to print a Likute Maran. So Reb Michal was the shliach at the time. And he said he went to, he went to the, the Tzian. It was wintertime. There was snow on the Tzian. He shoveled off the snow. And he had a shtatchus lying on the stone for three hours, three hours straight, crying, crying. He said he wasn't crying for the Satmar Rebbe, he was crying for himself. He was crying whether, whether his daughters are going to marry Jews. There were no yeshivas at the time, and his daughters went to university. Two daughters were doctors, and they, you know, he was crying over his own situation. And at the end, he said he mentioned the Satmar Rebbe, that he heard that from all of them, if we sum him, he's the one that, that has a tremendous respect for Breslov. You know, he helped print some of the Sforim. He quotes Rabbein Azal in his Sforim. So one of his daughters married a Chabad Chosid who ended up getting out of Russia, going to Eretz Yisrael, being the Gabay of the Chabad Shul in Ramot. And Remichel said, just to show you what Mesiras Nefesh people had for Yiddishkeit, couldn't wear a yarmulke there, and he didn't want to take off his yarmulke to go to work, so he wore a beret seven days a week, uh, 20 hours a day. He wore, but he never took the beret off his hat, off his head, and at work, he told him that he has some kind of a skin condition that he can't, you know, so he never, ever took, you know, took his hat off, never had to take his hat off. And what about Shabbos, working on Shabbos? He had to go into work on Shabbos. He walked, if I'm not mistaken, he had to walk three hours to work, three hours back, and he had to be there like for an hour to report, that kind of thing. But this is what he did consistently, you know, week after week, six hours walking, you know, not to be Michal Shabbos. You see this, the, a person who's Makusher to a tzaddik, you know, has, has a power to stand up to, 
to communist Russia, you know, to anything, no matter what kind of adversary, person who's zeichet to have the connection, the Torah and the tzaddik. I just heard today uh, an excerpt from Rav, 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 Rosenz, Rav Rosenwald spoke, and he quoted what, what the Baal Shem Tov said, Zer Hashar Lashem. This is the gateway to Hashem. What's the gateway to Hashem? Tzadikim. That's the gateway to Hashem. That through Tzadikim, Yavoy Uvoy. We should be zeichet by, by mentioning Tzadikim. That, that the Rabbeinazal said that this gave him his, his fire, you know, his, his slavas tikdusha, that the ischus of all the tzaddikim, especially our Rebbe Rabbeinazal, and the tzaddikim that was supportive of him, that, that we should be inspired to do, you know, Kanai Nahara, what's going on in Breslov today, it, it, it boggles the, you know, I'm, I'm in awe, Baliyai Nahara. New Sforim coming out every day. There's a safer in the works now on Rabavram Sternhartz. One of the Borsteins put together, I think, four or five hundred pages of Risa, you know, all kinds of stuff. There's a Sefer that, uh, on uh, Rebel Chan Inspector, whose yard site was today, I think, if I'm not mistaken, or yesterday, his yard site was yesterday, Chaf Bey's Shvat, Rabbi Vromel Chanan, Rebdovich Shloimoy. A whole Sefer, this Rev Klieger, I think, one of the people who put out a Sefer on, on uh, Rabbi Shmuel Shapiro. 500 pages, you know, ready to go. And Kanaina Hora, the English Sforum, that are coming out one after another. Likuti Alechus now. If that's going to be available in it, it's awesome. And new shuls opening up every day. And yeshivas, Kanaina Hora. Shem should hope that we should be zoicha to have our chelik in, in learning the Sforum and, and, and building the shuls and, and bringing, leading to the Gula Shlema. Amen. Any questions? <coughs> sure. One point there, we talked about what, what Hasidic is far and are good. We want to, you know, we should have a background in Hasidic. Sure, sure. I, I don't remember if we mentioned if, uh, if uh, Tanya. I believe, yes. Svarim, I believe, yeah. I, I believe it's brought, something. if I'm not mistaken, in Chaim Aran, and one of where it lists the Svarim that Rabbeinazal recommended, I believe it was one. It's interesting. I think when Rabbeinazal saw the Tanya for the first time, he said, wow, he took such a large Hashem. And put him into such a small safer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Rabbeinazal had a way with words and, and wit and everything. But, but you see, there's a tremendous... I, I'm not very knowledgeable in the Tanya. I've learned a little bit of it. There's such an incredible difference in style, in style of writing between the Tanya and the Likut Imran, and, you know, very different, different style. I think somebody mentioned to me once that if, if it's mentioned Likut Imran, that it could be that it's referring to a different Likutei Sure. There's a Likutei Amorim from the Mizritcha Magid. There's a Sefer Likutei Amorim from the Mizritcha Magid, and there's a Likutei Amorim from the... Ah, you're saying that that Likutei Amorim could be from the Mizritcha Magid. Possible. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. Ashreinu. Ashreinu that we have... Look what you have here. Look what you have here. Look what you... Believe I can't believe my eyes when I come into this shul. And, I've, and some of the other Breslov shuls, Ramat Beit Shemesh, that a bunch of kids putting together shul. Yeah, how, how are they doing this? And you walk into shul and there's forum, they're also new forum, and they're, they're running. Can I know? We should be zechah to be part of the, part of the run. Baruch Hashem.